Hello and welcome to BSD Talk number 35. It's Wednesday, April 26, 2006. Someone wrote to let me know that there is another BSD-related podcast. This one is specifically for FreeBSD. It's called FreeBSD for All, and you can find it at freebsdforall.blogspot.com. And that's FreeBSD, F-O-R. A-L-L. All right, now we'll move into the interview. Today on BSD Talk, we're speaking with Matt Thomas, and he is a core group member from NetBSD. I'd like to thank you for coming on to BSD Talk, and I guess give you a moment to introduce yourself and explain what you do with the NetBSD core group. Basically, the core group provides technical direction for the project. We sort of like figure out where it's going, uh, what features you know have to be added, where, where the direction should be going, what we should be focusing on, or, and we also do things like arbitrate disputes. You know, if somebody says, "Well, we want this," and somebody else says, "No, we don't," then you know it gets thrown to us, and we basically make a decision and enforce it. We also do things like try to figure out when releases should be made, what should be in the releases. So we're basically the technical project management. Now there's a separate board which does the non-technical stuff, and that's not related to what we do. So for people who aren't too familiar with NetBSD, could you give a brief overview of what NetBSD is and perhaps what makes it unique among the BSDs? NetBSD pretty much is a. We've actually been discussing this internally, trying to figure out what we are. So basically, you know, our kind of quick statement is: of course, it runs NetBSD. We're a very portable, BSD-based operating system, which means we don't have to worry about any of the uh, GNU license encumbrances. We run on everything from small embedded systems where small would be, you know, four to eight meg of RAM to very large servers, be them AMD 64, alphas, sparks, whatever. You know, basically run on most of the common 32 and 64-bit processors. Now, do you have varying levels of support? Are there kind of first-tier supported architectures and less supported architectures, or are they pretty much all from the same code base? Everything runs from the same code base. I mean, we don't have a separate kernel pool. We don't have a separate user. It's all one integrated source pool. Though there are some platforms, architectures, that are better supported than others just because of the amount of volunteer work. NetBSD is almost all volunteer. We don't really have any corporate sugar daddies, for the lack of a better term, to help us do it. So it's all volunteer. And you know, some platforms are more sexy than others, and which means some platforms are better supported than others. Now, one question I think that's difficult to ask, you know, is what's the best use of NetBSD? So perhaps a, a better question would be how do you use NetBSD? You know, 
on desktops, servers, routers, or embedded, or what really uh, makes you tick? For me, I would say that I primarily use NetBSD as an embedded uh, operating system or to do retro computing. What do you run on that fax that you've had forever or, you know, this old piece of hardware that you can no longer get an operating system for? And usually the case is, well, gee, if it's if it's outdated, it runs NetBSD. But, of course, we also run on uh, up-to-date hardware. I mean, some people run it as a desktop. I don't. I tend to use OSX for that. But a lot of people actually use it for embedded work because the nice thing about NetBSD is since it is all integrated, it's easy to chop things off that you don't really need. Our staff and photocopier here at work actually uses some NetBSD, according to their manuals. I guess a lot of people use it for embedded work. Uh, Yes. I mean, one advantage is, again, you don't have to worry about, you know, Hmm, is the is the code GPL? Do we have to do anything since it's all Beastie licensed? It's it's nice in a corporate world in terms of that. So the current release of NetBSD is you're in the three series right now, correct? We're in the three series. We're getting ready to start the release process for 4.0. Um, there are some minor releases for 3.0 that are about to start as well, which are primarily bug fix releases. Are there any big highlights of the 3 Series? The 3.0 Series was the one that we included PAM, we included much better AMD64 support, we included uh, pthread support using native threads. So that, those were the primaries for 3.0. I mean, of course, we every, every release gives us new device drivers and more hardware support. Any big but, features for the 4 Series? We should be upgrading to a newer version of GCC, um, new version of Binutils. We should have a replacement of the um, standard kernel authorization stuff to stuff based on um, OSX's kernel authorization scheme. I mean, we we do import you know things that hey that looks good from another operating system. You know, it's we don't have any problem of not invented here. I mean. You know, if somebody has a good idea and it looks reasonable and we can make use of it, we will try to use it. Are you fairly strict about the licensing from a BSD? Um, from the kernel stuff, yes. We almost all try to be BSD licensed. There really isn't anything right now in the kernel that's not BSD licensed. In the user land, of course, you know, we have all the, a bunch of GNU utilities because where are you going to get a compiler that runs on... You know, dozens of architectures. So, But for the kernel, we almost always try to make that BSD license, which is, you know, one of the problems is we would really love to include the uh, SGI XFS support that was made for Linux, but unfortunately it was only under a GPL license that it was made. So it made it really difficult for us to include it because that just wouldn't have been compatible with the BSD license. It would have been nice if that could have been dual licensed, but it wasn't. I guess that's an unfortunate thing. It seems as though a lot of large companies are releasing only GPL code, and I don't know what it would take to convince them to go with something like BSD. It's hard enough to get them to release it under GPL, and then, of course, you want you want us to uh, pay our lawyers to do more work to do what? Yeah, it's not easy. So how did you get interested in NetBSD or the BSDs in general? 
Honestly, I've been working on BSD for 20-plus years now. Um, I started back with BSD 4.2 way back in the early 80s when I was at Digital, and that eventually became Altrix 32, and then that became Altrix. And so basically, I mean, I worked on Altrix, then I helped do the port of Altrix the MIPS processors way back when, and that was, Ultrix was all BSD 4.2 based, and then that eventually became the DEC OSF1 stuff, which was still 4.3 based, and that was all to alpha, and so, you know, that that was BSD, and at the time, digital, you know, you know digital had all these networking cards, and I went, hey, look. There are these free operating systems. I wonder how hard it would be to write a driver for them. And so I did. And that's how I got involved in the BSDs. And, you know, I wrote, you know, drivers for the deck networking cards. And that got me involved. And eventually I left digital and started getting more and more into NetBSD, acquiring more hardware, and just kept on going from there. And you do a lot of PowerPC work also, don't you? Um, yeah, I did a lot of the initial uh, Mac PPC stuff, and then back in 2001, wow, was it back then? Yeah, I joined uh, a startup which was actually using PowerPC and NetBSD in an embedded uh, system. It wasn't your usual embedded system we were talking about, you know, a system with, you know, 20 PPCs and a couple gigs of RAM, but it was still an embedded system. They, they were actually doing the NetBSD stuff, and I was in between jobs, and they go, hmm, what are you seeing? Then can you help us? I went, yeah, and then you know, eventually I joined them. And you know, then as we started figuring out various things, is some of the NetBSD power PC support at that time was not as good as it should be, and so a lot of my time was enhancing or rewriting part of that to um, handle larger and larger uh, processors, RAM, whatever. And so, I mean, I rewrote the PMAP module, I redid a lot of the uh, interrupt code, and that type of stuff, which really helped the PowerPC stuff stabilize and become much more mature under NetBSD. And I guess NetBSD has a tradition of continuing to support architectures that have been abandoned by the manufacturer. So hopefully with Apple's move to the Intel chips, NetBSD will be uh, one of the many operating systems that will continue to run on their older hardware. I certainly hope so. I mean, we currently run on them now. I don't see any reason why that's going to stop. And actually, in terms of platforms, NetBSD actually has only given up on one platform over its lifetime, and that's because the two processors that that port was for actually were destroyed. Other than that, you know, anything that NetBSD has been ported to still still exists in the source tree. Do you know how well NetBSD supports certain desktop features or laptop features, such as sleeping and suspending and some of the other nice stuff that, we, uh, that we're used to? Let's see. For things like uh, we do have ACP, ACPI support, and we do have what we call a power daemon that helps support sleeping, but it's just not as good as it should be. But um, a lot of the stuff for speed step and enhanced speed step is definitely being improved, but it's still not up to where it should be. 
And a lot of that is, you know, one, there are a lot of laptops, there are a lot of ACPI implementations, and a lot of them are kind of buggy. So you have to quirk them. And that just takes time and effort. And also, um, when it comes to applications, NetBSD pioneered the package source system, which I guess is an alternate way of doing the traditional BSD ports. That transition from ports to package source reduced the number of available applications, or was it pretty much just moving directly over all the existing ones? Um, I mean, you have to also remember that package source is not NetBSD only. While it was started for NetBSD, it, it does support Solaris, Linux, HPUX, and other operating systems. So in terms of applications, it, it's probably on par with the NetBSD ports, but we encompass a, a greater breadth of targets. We also include OSX on that. So I guess the way, you know, while we might not have all the ports, we probably run on a lot more varied pieces of targets than the BSD BSD ports do. So if people wanted to get started with NetBSD or get involved with NetBSD, how could they help out with the project? I mean, this is one of the issues that we have is that this is going to sound a bit elitist, but we actually have a very high version of code quality that makes it really hard for new people to get ramped up and to participate because we, while we'd like to accept a lot of code, it's just not up to our standards. And so you have this problem that, you know, we'd really like to have the work, but we, we require a lot more mentoring for uh, new people than most other projects. Because a lot of the NetBSD engineers are actually quite senior. So it makes it really difficult. The easiest way to do that, what what's useful is that if you go look at the BSD code, you'll see that is probably better structured and better written than stuff that you're normally used to in open source. So it's a good place to learn from, but it makes it harder to to join. But I mean, the one thing that we always encourage, and it's a good way to learn, is to go and look at you know what bugs are outstanding and see if you can figure out how to fix them. One, you're not writing new code, you're learning the code, and you and by learning the code, you get to basically think and then basically the way of how we do things because you can look at the code and look use that as your model. And for those who can't code but have plenty of cash, is the NetBSD Foundation a nonprofit? It's an accredited 501c3 uh, foundation, fully tax deductible. We don't have any qualms about taking people's money. Our primary things we use donations for are to improve basically things like our build form, testing, things like that. But all in all, you know, we don't actually spend a lot of money. Documentation is always good. One thing that most engineers hate to do is documentation. And so if people can write, they can they possibly can be of use. You know, even pointing out problems on our web pages, I mean no, our our website is okay. I mean, there's no reason why it can't be improved. Suggestions are always welcome. How about donations of hardware? It depends. I mean, it depends on the hardware. If it's like old hardware that's kind of quirky, I mean, you always can basically you know, say that, well, I'd like to donate this and see if anybody solicits, you know. You know, if you're going to, uh, you know, basically give us a machine that requires one huge rack, it's probably not going to be people who take it. But, you know, if you have this 
quirky little embedded board that you'd like to see NetBSD on or processor or something, that you you probably can get a taker for. It just depends on the hardware and how useful it would be for the project and whether anybody would be interested in it. All right. Well, is there anything else you'd like to cover about NetBSD? Not that I can think of right now. All right. Well, thank you very much for speaking with me today. No problem. I'd like to just encourage everyone to go to netbsd.org and check out the project and help out if they can. Download a CD, install it, and see whether you like it. All right. Well, thank you very much. No problem. Okay. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or get to the archives of the old episodes, you can get there at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. Or if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Feel free to send me audio files too. I'd be more than happy to play them on the show. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 35.